0: go through this series called Blessed Generation, we want you to realize that you can walk in the blessing and the power of God and see God transform lives through you because you are a blessed individual because you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This morning when you found Numbers chapter number 6 and verse 24, let's stand this morning as we read the word of the Lord. The Lord bless me and keep me. The Lord make his face shine brightly upon me and be gracious to me. The Lord lift up his countenance upon me and give me peace. And so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and God will bless me. Also, our other key verse of scripture this morning is in Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 3. And it says, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Everybody say, I am blessed. Because God said so. Now, some of you guys are thinking this morning, Pastor, how can I be blessed because I'm sitting right here on this earth when it distinctly says that the blessing of God is in heavenly places? Well, here's your answer. The next chapter in the book of Ephesians said this in Ephesians chapter number 2. It says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen so now get this your blessing is in heavenly places you're seated with christ in heavenly places and can i tell you if you're in the same vicinity of your blessing you got access to the blessing of god amen So if you need a blessing from God, all you really gotta do is reach over and grab hold of what God said about you. Now here's the key. We've been talking about the blessed generation and here's three standards that we're gonna go by as we walk in the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not things, the blessing of God is what God has said about you. So if you're struggling or in lack in any area of your life, if you're struggling with issues in your life, if you're struggling and you just seem to be coming up short in different areas of your life, if it doesn't seem like you're getting ahead it seems like you take one step forward and two steps backwards, and you don't feel like you're walking in the blessing, I want you to start finding out what God said about you. See, some of you are walking in depression, and God said you're an overcomer. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're a victor and not the victim. And the body of Christ needs to quit taking on a victim mentality. See, we walk around as Christians thinking the world owes us something. We walk around as Christians with entitlement because we believe in Jesus. We think the world owes us something. Listen, the Bible said Jesus said this the world's gonna hate you that's why God didn't say your blessings are in the world he said your blessings are in heavenly places where you are so as believers it's not time that we walk in entitlement it's time we walk in the blessing what God has said not what we think the world owes us amen as we begin to walk in the blessing of God I want you to find through this series one scripture that God has said about you one scripture that'll meet your need one scripture that'll take care of your marriage situation it'll take care of your school situation it'll take care of your work situation find one scripture that you can make your own that you can personalize and find out what God has said about you because the blessing of God is not things it is what God has spoken over your life and what God has spoken over your life will well amount to more than anything you could ever ask or imagine and so as God begins to work in your life I want you to find what the blessing of God is blessing of God is not a license to live recklessly but a lifestyle of discipline Nobody likes to be disciplined. I can prove it because how many of you have ever had a gym membership and never went? How many of you have ever started a diet and never finished? How many of you ever set out a goal and never accomplished it? See, the blessing of God, it's not a license to go live recklessly, but it is a lifestyle of discipline because once God brings a blessing into your life, he doesn't want you to just squander it. He wants you to be able to hold on to it. He wants you to be steward over it so it grows and prospers in your hands to be a blessing to somebody else. And to do that, it's gonna take discipline. When financial blessing comes into your life, some of you guys, I'm believing with all my heart, you're gonna get the raise you've been dreaming for within this next month. But here's the thing, if you get the raise you've been praying for, But just the only thing you do with it was increase a $200 a month raise with a $400 a month car payment. How many of you know you haven't been good steward of the blessing? See, a blessing of God is not a lifestyle to live recklessly, but it's a lifestyle of discipline. See, the first thing you gotta know is with the blessing when it comes into your life, it's, God, this is still yours. God, this is still yours. This million dollar check you've just given me is still yours it's still yours. I'm holding on to it tight, God, because it's stewardship. I'm not letting go. So what do you want me to do with it? The blessing of God is not a lifestyle to live recklessly, but it's a lifestyle of discipline. And when you will discipline yourself in what God said, you'll be able to discipline yourself to handle the blessing that comes your way. The third point I want to be able to talk to you about of this series is it's not something that magically appears. So when you go home today, don't walk up to your mailbox and say, that million dollars better be there. Okay, I'm not going to open it. God, I'm believing. I'm praising. I'm <laughs> praising. No, the million dollars is not the blessing because the blessing is not things. The blessing of God is not something that magically appears, but it is something that enables and empowers you to do. See, the Bible says it is the blessing of God that enables you to get wealth. That means you're gonna have to go work your rear off in the area of discipline and be a good employee so you're able to receive a good raise so the blessing can come your way. This blessing ain't all it was cracked up to be. (laughs) No, see, when we understand that we are not entitled to anything, but it's a gift of God that comes through his grace by faith in what he already said, and we begin to establish a lifestyle of discipline to walk it out in the work and the will of God, and we won't spend it recklessly, but we'll spend it on his kingdom's sake, and we'll do it for his kingdom's sake, then he will enable and empower us to do great and mighty things. And we're going to stick on this, this third key to the, through the point this morning. And so we started out this whole series of talking about the blessing of God. And I always bring it back to when is the first time the word bless or blessed is ever mentioned in the scripture? The first time bless or blessed is ever mentioned in the scripture, it's Genesis chapter number one and verse number 22. And the Bible says, and God blessed them saying. So the blessing of God is what God said about you. in verse number 28, tells what he said about you. Verse 28 says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the heavens, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. So God said when he blessed them, he said as he began to go forth, he said, Be fruitful. We talked about fruitfulness versus um, productivity or being busy. Now, fruitfulness doesn't just mean to have a bunch of kids, Okay? Some of y'all are thinking, thank you, Jesus. And anybody with more than two kids said, amen. It doesn't mean to have a bunch of kids. It means be fruitful means to be productive. How many of you are being productive? I pray that you've been productive over the past month and not just busy. The problem is many of us go home after a long day at work and say, I'm so tired, I've just been so busy, but what'd you accomplish? Nothing. Well, you didn't, weren't really fruitful because you weren't productive. God wants a group of believers to be productive. When we go out and do something, let's accomplish a purpose and why we're going out to do it. The reason why we postponed a mission trip was so we would go up there and be productive and not just busy. We're going to be good stewards over your time, your money, the church's time, the church's money, so we're going to be productive when we go. So he said be fruitful, and then he said to multiply, and then we had a message called multiplicity, where God wants to multiply what he's given you in your hands, and we talked about the the obstacles that come our way, of multiplicity through the scripture of the the sower sows the word of God and some of the seed that was planted fell upon rocky soil, the birds of prey came and got it, it fell on the thorny soil, but some that fell on the good soil yielded 30, 60, and 100-fold return. And I challenged you that week to begin to pull out of your life anything that is not good soil. And as you begin to pull those things out, God begins to make room in your life to plant more good seed that will yield a greater impact on the world that you live in. And so today we're going to talk about filling the earth. And the title of this morning's message is filling or taking up space. Filling or taking up space. What are you doing today? I pray that this morning as you're in this church, you're filling... You're filling your life with things of God. You are getting ready to go fill the earth with the message that you hear. You're not just taking up space this morning. The problem I have or the issue I see in many churches that a lot of Christians, we go out into a world just take up space. But when the Bible says fill the earth, he gave them a specific commission, a specific command to go do something. Now here's the question I have. Why would God wanna fill the earth with a bunch of people? I mean really, he's God. He could fill it with anything he wanted. Why would God want to fill the earth with a bunch of people? Uh, Have you ever wondered that? God, you could have filled it with birds and fish and everything else, and you did. But he didn't tell them to go fill the earth and subdue it. He told us, fill the earth, be fruitful, be multiply, fill the earth. Why would God want people all over this earth? Have you ever wondered that question? You're like, well, no, because I never really thought about it. But it is kind of a good question, because the God of all power... The God who said light be and light is still moving at the speed of light today. And listen, I want to clarify something. Because a lot of people, when you read in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and he said, let there be light. Some of y'all are thinking the sun popped up. No, that's not the light it was talking about. (laughs) Because later on in in the six day time span of creation, he created the sun and the moon. So when God said light be, it was something going forth, not the sunlight, but literally what was going forth was the glory of God. So when God said light be, he said glory go. And now glory is still expanding the universe and everything that we have at the speed of light and it's, and it's expanding exponentially. But here's the question. If God had all that, then he can do all that by just speaking, why does he want humans to do what he said do, go fill the earth? Here's the reason. Humans were created for two reasons. Number one was to be carriers of his glory. Number two was to be carriers of his anointing. The first reason God created man was to be carriers of his glory. I can prove that to you because in the book of Genesis, as we begin to start out this whole process, this is what the Bible says. In the book of Genesis, it says this. In Genesis 1, then it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Who's he talking about? He's talking about our, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and that means containers or carriers of our glory, See, some of y'all are sitting here thinking, well, I was never told I was a container for the glory of God. I was never told I was supposed to carry the glory of God into a lost and dying world. I was never told these things. Well, listen, if you are a container for the glory of God, what have you been carrying out into the earth? Which brings back the question, are we filling the earth with God's glory or are we simply taking up space? Are we filling the earth with the glory of God or are we simply taking up space that is not really fulfilling anything? See, the word full, fill the earth, that word fill means to be in abundance of, to have more than enough, to fill to the full and almost overflowing. And so when God said, I want you to be a carrier of my glory, I'm gonna create you in my image, you go forth, fill the earth with my glory and who I am, and so we can accomplish great and mighty things. If you in your life came in here this morning to take up space, I'm glad you're here, but I want everybody to leave here this morning Literally knowing this, that you are a container carrying the glory of God. Now listen, can I have a husband and wife couple come up here right quick? Just a husband, okay, Jeff and Amy, y'all be great. Now, Amy, stay there, Jeff, come over here. If you are a carrier of God's glory, and you are, you're a carrier of God's glory, you're made in his image and everything else, what would it look like, Amy, if every day when Jeff came home from work, even from putting up with his egghead brother, even from dealing with his mom, even from having to, to, to be blessed and work with Damon Wilkes and Ty Boatman, even to be blessed to work with Miss Robin and everybody he works with, what if every single day he came home literally and brought the glory of God into the house? Did you see her eyes? That's the exact expression I wanted. I wanted that expression because I knew every woman in the house would do this. Oh, that would be great! That would be great. That would be phenomenal if every day my husband came home knowing he was a carrier of the glory of God and he brought the glory into the house with him so these kids that are running around could experience the glory, not my wrath. (laughs) Amen? Now, what if, Jeff, since you're a carrier of the glory of God, not just do you carry the glory home, but you carry the glory into work? Not if he just carried the glory home and carried the glory into work, but Damon, since you're a carrier of the glory of God, what if Damon carried the glory into the school? Now, I'm picking on ministry people here, but what if Brandon, you are a carrier of the glory of God, what if Brandon brought it into his workplace? What difference would it make if you walked in your work tomorrow morning? I'm talking full of the glory of God. I'm talking Moses coming off the mountain where the people are hiding their face, glory of God. I'm not talking about you walking in smiling. Everybody can smile and fake it for a little bit until they get to their office and close the door. No, I'm talking seriously walking in with the glory of God because you are a container for the glory of God. And you go fill your world with something. See, because here's the deal. Your earth, your world, your sphere of influence, you're always filling it with something But many times it's not the glory. See, Jeff's world is not this earth. Jeff's world is what he goes to and does on a daily basis. Amy's world is not this earth. It's what she has a sphere of influence and what school she works with on a daily basis. My wife's world is not the whole earth. My wife's world is really what's your world. Some of you drive truck for a living. You got a little bit bigger world than the rest of us. So what if in your bigger world you brought the glory a little bit farther than Joel could on any given day? What would your world begin to look like if you walked around knowing I am a container and a carrier of the glory of God? Now, I want you to start envisioning this. See, some of y'all are kind of getting excited about work tomorrow. Your boss is going to say, yes, I love that preacher. Okay, some of y'all are. If you make a conscious decision today to walk in the blessing of God, you are making a conscious decision to be a carrier of the glory to fill the earth. See, when God said to fill the earth, y'all can be seated, thank you so much. When God said to fill the earth, he wasn't talking about populating it with people. He was talking about populating it with people who are containers for the glory of God, so his glory would go into all the earth. Now, if you in your life have not been so far up to this point a container for God's glory, welcome to the greatest day of your life, because you not only get to experience his glory, you get to carry his glory. You not only get to have a, a tangible touch of his glory, you get to walk in his glory. And people read the Old Testament and they hear about Moses when he came off the mountain and the glory of God shone so bright. The people had to put something over him and they said, don't talk to us directly because the glory of God was radiating. People talk about Solomon when he gave the the consecration for the temple and and the spirit of God fell and the glory of God became so thick that the people of God could not even minister because the glory showed up. And then we go on and we read Isaiah and we love Isaiah chapter 6 because the glory overtook Isaiah and that's what made I believe Isaiah from a minor prophet into a major prophet because he had an experience with the glory of God. Now in your life those are all Old Testament stories. You are a New Testament, born-again, blood-bought child of the living God that's been completely redeemed, not brought back to a new state, but brought back to an original state is what redeemed means, brought back to an original likeness where the glory of God, just like it rained down on Adam and Eve, should be raining on your life. So I'm going to ask you this morning, how's your glory tank? How's your glory tank? I'm going to ask you in a minute to make a decision. Pray this prayer, and it's not selfish. God, fill me so much with your glory other people get affected. Here's why. That's what he said to do. Fill the earth with my glory. So by you praying, that you're saying, God, I want your glory so I can go fill the earth. I want your glory so I can bring it to somebody who needs a touch from your glory. Because what is the glory? It is literally the tangible presence of God seen in somebody's life. The glory of God, when he said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, he was saying, let's go. But here's the problem. Here's what occurred in the book of Genesis, which puts a big chasm, I guess, in all of this. And this is what took place. We know in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man happened. What happened when the fall of man occurred? This is where it picks up in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 7. It says, the eyes of both man and woman were opened and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And listen, and the man and his wife hid from the presence of God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself from you. The problem that occurred when sin happened is man went from a transformation of a spiritual being walking in the glory to an intellectual being walking in his own power. Man went from a spiritual being walking in the glory where he did not know he did not have any clothes on to an intellectual being walking in his own power. This is what took place. When the glory of God that was clothing them was gone, this is what man does. Let's start using our own abilities to be like God and make something happen. Let us use our own abilities, our mind, our intellect, because we're smart people. Listen, the the earth is full of smart people. The problem is God didn't create us to be intelligently led. He created us to be spirit led. And so now that we're intelligence led, we are trying to become like God in everything that we create and everything that we do. See, they understood that they used to be clothed and now they weren't clothed. So the first thing they did was try to make their own clothes. Can you tell can I tell you that there is a far cry from being clothed in the glory of God and being clothed with fig leaves? Thank you. Yes. It's okay to laugh because it really is a far cry. So when the glory of God departs, listen, men start operating by intellect, not by being spirit-led. See, many of you, when you leave the church, you walk out of the glory of God and then you start thinking again, and that's your problem. Because you start making intellectual decisions, not spirit-led decisions. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying there's got to be a merging of your spirit-led life that can begin to control the intelligence level of your mind. That when you start thinking, you start thinking like a spirit-led person, not thinking according to the world's level of culture and intelligence. Many people leave here, you're in the glory and the presence of God because many of you are set free already this morning. You leave here saying, oh God, this is so great, I never want to leave. But you go out there and the first thing you do is start operating by your intelligence rather than operating by the Spirit of God. And then when you begin to operate by your intelligence, you will sin, okay, I'm just gonna be honest with you. You will sin when you begin to operate by your intelligence. The next thing that happened is they were afraid of God because they knew the likeness of God that they shared with him was gone. They knew that they started operating in their own intelligence and in their own power. And so the next thing God says, where are you? Obviously God knew where they were, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, oh my gosh, I lost my kids. That wasn't God. What God was asking, he said, Adam, man, is literally what he said, where are you? Because God was looking for someone in his likeness, not somebody trying to think on their own. God wasn't missing the physical stature of a man. He knew where the physical stature of the man was. What God was missing was the likeness of himself that used to be on physical man that Adam turned over to the devil, So when you got born again and became a blood-bought child of the living God, the word redeem, which is all through the book of Romans, if you want to understand redemption, you need the book of Romans. It means to be brought back to an original state. So redemption gave you the ability to walk in the glory of God, and that's how God recognizes you as a believer again. That's how God recognizes you as a human or or as a born-again child of his, not just a human. And so this morning, I want you to understand that you are carriers of the glory of God because you've been born again. This is why Jesus told the disciples, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The problem with many believers is they're trying to carry everything but the glory and wanting the glory to show up. I want you to lay everything else down, take up the glory so God can handle everything you've been carrying. I want you to take what you've been carrying and you as a man trying to hold your marriage together, you as a wife trying to hold your marriage together. Quit trying to carry the burden of your marriage and let the glory of God show up in your house. Let him be spirit leading in your house. See, some of you can't get your spouse to marriage counseling is because you've been trying to get them there instead of letting the glory of God shine upon them so it can be revealed to them that they need to go to marriage counseling. Some of you have been trying to get your kids to act right, so instead you've been beating the tar out of them, It's putting them in their room, locking the door, and giving them timeouts for three hours. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a personal thing. I'm just playing. <laughs> instead of letting the glory of God shine upon them and letting God transform their life and you just imitating who God is to you in front of them, you were created to be a carrier of the glory because when you carry the glory, you begin to walk in what the Bible calls the anointing. You are carriers of the glory. You were created for that. And now you are carriers of the anointing. You are created for that. Carriers of the anointing is this. Now, anointing is a good church word. And a lot of people are in church all their life and they hear the word anoint and anointing and they're thinking, yeah, that's great, pastor. I love it. What does it mean? Because a lot of people, they love what, what I love the term is called religionese. You, you love the lingo of religion so you know you think you know what you're talking about but you really don't know what, It means, so therefore you never walk in the fullness of the terms that you're using. Now, if you're carriers of the glory, and you're also carriers of the anointing, what is the term anointing, and what does the term anointing mean? And I put it in a very simple, simple format. Listen, it is God's empowering and enabling, with his skills, talents, and abilities, to do his will for a person to carry out their duty and administration. So it is the enabling and the empowering of God. Now remember, I told you at the beginning, the blessing of God, it empowers and enables you to do things. I said we're gonna stick that point all we all service long. The blessing of God, it doesn't, it's not something that magically appears, it's something that empowers and enables you to do things. The anointing of God is the empowering or the enabling with God's skills, talents, and abilities for you to carry out your administration or duty. Now, wouldn't it be great, and everybody's thought this at one point in their life, God, I wish you would just come raise these kids. Anybody who's been a parent for more than two years has prayed that. And then God says, Joel, I'm dealing with you. I'm sure you can deal with them kids. Now listen, it is the enabling and the empowering of God with God's skills, talents, and abilities to carry out your duty and administration. Have you ever wondered how people can do amazing things when the spirit of God comes up on them that they could never do on their own? It's because they're not operating in their anointing. They're operating in his anointing, which is God's skills, talents, and abilities. Listen, I have no ability within myself to heal somebody. But when the anointing shows up and the power of God begins to move, people can get healed here this morning because it's God's skills, talents, and abilities showing up in my life. Now, listen, you in your life, what if you went to work tomorrow, Miss Sharon, and you didn't go to work with your abilities, but you went to work with God's abilities, what if tomorrow morning, you didn't just walk in your workplace with God's glory all about you, but you walked in with God's skills, God's talents, and God's abilities? I mean, I'm telling you, what if you walked home and you walked into your marriage tomorrow when you got home from work, not with your bad day, but with God's skills, God's talents, and God's abilities? I mean, I'm just saying, do you, you wouldn't ever come to me for marriage counseling because you got God's skills, God's abilities, and God's talents. Because you're walking in the anointing. But the same scenario holds true. The anointing of God shows up in a church service. People get born again. People get set free. People get delivered. People have words from God. The, the prophecy takes place. And everybody's like, whoa, we had church. No, you don't just have church. You take it with you. Amen. Get it out of here. Expand it. Bless it. Get it. Go. If it sits here after we're all gone, it's useless. I mean, that's like having a big buffet and everybody eating until their heart's content, but we have a bunch of food left over and we just leave it here. <laughs> What's gonna happen to it? It's gonna spoil. God doesn't want you to leave the anointing here. He wants you to take that extra whatever, quarter pounder with cheese and Big Mac and fries and everything else to somebody who needs it. See, the problem is we get satisfied getting full on the anointing, never realizing we're not just supposed to be full on it, we're supposed to be carriers of it to a lost and dying world. Fill the earth means fill the earth with God's glory. Fill the earth with God's skills, talents, and abilities that he's empowering you to use to change the world for the kingdom's sake. See, every time you read, I hope every time that you read fill the earth from now on, you realize I am not just a space taker. I am not just somebody who takes up space. I am not just somebody who sits in a church house on Sunday mornings doing my religious duty, but I am a taker of the anointing to fill the earth. Now, young people, y'all are out of school. You don't have to go back to school for two months. What are you gonna do with every day of your summer? See, you're carriers of two things, the glory and the anointing. What are they gonna do with it? Well, I'll tell you what they're gonna do it. You're gonna do exactly with it what you see your parents doing with it. Hear daddy praising Jesus on Sunday morning, coming home, cussing on Monday afternoon. They're carrying the same thing you are. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, that's me. Come on, we got this. They're gonna do what you do. Mom and dad, you come home from work tomorrow, letting the glory of God shine all over your life operating in the anointing, that's God's skills, talents, and abilities, bringing them into your household, your kids are going to start doing the same thing you are. I'll close with this little story. Your kids and your family will begin to replicate and do what you do. The other day, we always teach our kids to pray, and we sit down and we pray before the meal, and we always hold hands, and we began to pray the other day, and Caleb said, no, 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 Daddy, I'll do it. No, he, and he was emphatic. I mean, it was not this, oh, can I pray? He's like, no, Daddy. It's like, let me handle this, Dad, for real. I don't need your long, drawn-out prayers. Thank you, Jesus. And so I looked at him. I said, okay, pray. And he was like, close your eyes. What do you still got your eyes open for if you want me to pray? And he said, Lord Jesus, bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he said, let's eat. (laughs) He understands where the anointing's at. Amen. They're going to do what they see you do. You start carrying the glory of God into your house. Your kids are going to start carrying the glory of God out of your house. You start carrying the anointing of God into your house. Your kids are gonna start carrying the anointing of God out of your house. You start carrying the anointing of God out of the church house. The world's gonna start coming to you because they need the anointing and the glory of God. Did you ever wonder why Jesus did not have a marketing crew with his 12 disciples? He doesn't, you don't need to market yourself when the glory and the anointing shows up. People are naturally attracted to it. And then when you have people coming to you all the time saying, pray for me, pray for me, you're gonna be like, God, give me a break. No, that you say, God, fill me with more glory, with more of the anointing. Continue to use me to flow out in what I'm supposed to do.